Warning. Elements of real-world religion are used in this podcast to serve the purposes of a work of fiction. They are to drive the drama forward and are not intended to be taken as a statement of opinion by the players. Thank you for listening. Captain Salim Bayezid, a Persian hobgoblin sailor and explorer, smooths his great mustaches and sips from a wooden mug, the steam from which fills the tent with the scent of strong coffee. Even at this late hour of the evening, the only beverage the captain has been seen passing his lips is this special blend of coffee prepared by his German goblin chef, Poppinzy Korkin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The thunderstorm that has plagued your group was unexpected this deep in the desert, and is persistent through most of the day, showing little sign of relenting. It was a dark and stormy night, much like this one. I met Jacob Waltz in a dent of cutthroats in Algiers. That's when he told me about an American mine, full of all the gold you can carry. Pure and perfect bricks of the stuff, says he. I took him for a liar of the most extravagant type, until he showed me a great nugget of proper proof. I took very little convincing after that. With that, a great ominous peal of thunder shakes the tent you find yourself huddled in against a furious storm. Momentarily cast in silhouette by the blinding flash of lightning visible through the canvas tent wall, Captain Bayezid takes a pull from a sweet-smelling black cigarette and continues his story. The eight of us set in provisions and sail from Portugal within the month. By this time tomorrow, we'll figure a way out of these blasted caverns and into the town of Peralta. From there, Mr. Waltz will show us his claim and we'll be rich men all. And you are left sitting in the tent, the four of you plus Captain Bayezid, as the storm rages outside. Um, you have been traveling with him for some time. Uh, it's a crew of 13 in total. The captain, his personal chef, the four of you, um, and eight sailors that have turned into gold miners with a promise of treasure in a wagon caravan through narrow caverns in the desert when the storm set in and slowed your progress and now the paths that would lead you out of the canyon to the town of Peralta, your destination, have become too muddy and slick for the horses and wagons. So you've camped for the evening while you figure out a different way out of the canyons. And you have this opportunity before uh, the rest of your your crew, such as it is, uh, calls it at night and goes to bed for the evening. You can talk amongst yourselves, talk with the captain, or mingle with the other campers. So so we're on the in the prairie or something. You are in the desert. The desert. Desert canyons in eastern Arizona. Alright, it's raining and thundering right now. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I didn't like the I didn't know, like the I didn't know if he was doing some like scene setting. Yes, painted desert. Like, oh, like an opening cutscene. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like the game begins and we see that you see the hobgoblin. He's telling the story on like the bow of a ship. <laughs> but that is a story for times. <laughs> yeah. So yes, you you have made your camp in the, the shadow of a uh, a tall caldera, which is sort of a flat top, almost like a mason, um, a mesa, not a mason. Um, very important. Uh, the rune is there. <laughs> Rune's there. Uh, sort of a, a flat, if you can imagine a flat top mountain, maybe the size of like Mount Tom, but without a peak, just cut off the top. And uh, right now you're in some narrow caverns where you've made camp, and the idea is once the storm blows through in the morning, you're going to try and find a way out of these canyons to get to the town of your destination. But for now you are waiting we, out the storm. And we've all been in the same group for a few days now. Several days worth of traveling. I will leave it up to you to de determine the, well, the nature of your pre-existing relationship. Uh, so... What does everybody look like? I think I'm wet. 
<laughs> well, hey When you're dry, what do you look like? <laughs> Same, but dry. <laughs> well, Chris, wet, <laughs> but dry. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to go. I can start if you guys want. I'll take it. All right, go for it. Uh, so you've hung out now with uh, with Matchstick Jack Conway for a few days. He's uh, sort of leaned in a high-backed chair near the fire, <coughs> and he's wringing out excess water from a bunch of bear furs that he wears fairly frequently. Uh, he looks like he's been living outside at night a lot, where it, you know, it gets cold in the desert, and he's used to like bundling up for the uh, the overnights in uh, in basically any of the lowlands, any of the places where it's windswept. And he doesn't talk a whole lot, and when he does, the voice doesn't line up with the face at all. He's a big, burly bear of a man. He stands probably about six foot four, six foot five, uh, wearing his furs and in his boots. He's probably more like six six. Uh, huge shoulders, big, thick arms, thick legs. Uh, he's got a lot of like little burn marks all on his face and shoulder, and he's actually missing the eyebrow over his right eye. And he is trying to like look friendly. He's smiling and making eye contact with people, but he's basically just like wringing the moisture out of these bear furs with some ferocity. All right. So uh, Huck is, as we all know, a full a fork, a full blown <laughs> orc. Uh, it's clear he's from the sticks, the boonies, whatever you want to call it. If not by his stench, then by his mannerisms. Uh, he even has the, the standard pair of very like thick overalls. Uh, very, very well muscled, kind of this grayish green skin. Uh, tusks, he's kind of bald on the top. Like, just kind of just some sparse bit of hair here and there. Uh, and kind of a beard that's growing in between all, all the, uh, everything. It's just, it's just scraggly and gross. Uh, he is, so when he's not dressed for action, he, it's just, it's pretty much just the overalls and, uh, not much else. Uh, he dresses, he's a pretty simple orc. He dresses pretty simply. Uh, when he expects action, he has this, uh, suit of quote unquote armor that he's cobbled together through various junkyard parts. Uh, a lot of it is it like re- remnants of old carriages, uh, rem- remnants of, of like repurposed material from guns to create what amounts to kind of a ringmail. Nice. Uh, and it looks atrocious. It doesn't <laughs> even look like it should work or function as armor, yet it somehow does. It mostly covers his arms and like waist, any soft areas that one might have. Otherwise, he kind of just has like like a bare, the bare chest and wherever he's hard and muscled, he has that showing. Um, and he speaks with this this very incomprehensible drawl. He seems very interested in helping, especially with physical labor. He can lift a ton of weight. <laughs> and if a lot of stuff is, is lifted, he will use um, what he refers to as a, as, as a girl miracle uh, to, to provide superhuman even for an orc lifting strength. He's probably gotten the wagon out of some very rough mud patches through brute, brute force alone. The two of us could probably lift and carry this wagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 like do, a palanquin. Nothing is he here. <laughs> uh, he, so, yeah, he's, he's pretty quiet, doesn't make much conversation, uh, doesn't seem to have the wits for much of a conversation, especially about deeper subjects. Uh, but it, it is known he, at some point he has mentioned his family's junkyard and that's his business. Uh, 
as he hasn't said why he's on his expedition yet, but uh, he, has made, he has made mention that uh, like fearful we will side rocks. <laughs> and if you understood that, then good for you. <laughs> I got rocks. Cool. Jack didn't understand it because your mouth didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his mouth doesn't so move as it does, it kind of <laughs> shift from side to side. <laughs> uh, other, yeah, that's, that's about it. He's pleasant company if you're not smelling him or looking at him. Or around him. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere near him, he's great. <laughs> he doesn't seem aware of, his, of him so violating his social mores. <laughs> you're, you're just like, oh god, this is how he lives. <laughs> Arizona Rose is a small woman, uh, long blonde hair, blue eyes, very petite. Looks like she might have been a beauty in a, in a former life, but she's very bedraggled. The blonde hair is sort of straw-like and scraggly. She's got the freckles and the sunburn over her cheeks, and she just kind of looks real tired. And uh, those of you who have spent any time in like a town or looking through a sheriff's office might have seen her wanted poster. She Not me, I can't read. <laughs> I can't read this picture. <laughs> I need a pop-up poster. <laughs> a touch and feel poster. Yeah. Uh, but she has a habit of um, basically robbing and killing stagecoaches, trains, men just wandering around. Anyone who she can sort of get her hands on. She kills stagecoaches? Yep. <laughs> kills them dead. Stagecoach. It's all not happy. <laughs> now I have my, I'll have my revenge. <laughs> I was raised in the wild by a pack of stagecoaches. <laughs> what was the name again? Arizona. A pack of roving stagecoaches attacked my village when I was a child. Was <laughs> last name? Uh, last name, her actual name is Rose Monroe. So Rose and Matchstick. Yeah. You can call him Matchstick. It's one of those nicknames you get but you don't like. He doesn't like it, but he tolerates it. Yeah. And, uh, Hawk hasn't given the last name, by the way. It's just Hawk. 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 His last name is Ulberry. <laughs> and uh, Rose is pretty much keeping to herself. She doesn't seem to be the chatty type. She's going to be a real talkative group. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get friendly when the time comes. Most yeah, of but I'm surrounded by assholes. You get real friendly. Uh, Mr. Tillman is a human. Um, what else can we say about it? <laughs> um, you know, among, among all the humans in the world, he certainly was the one of them. <laughs> the most humanist. Um, standard, you know, probably just turned 30 or shortly thereafter. Um, walks around with a, you know, wearing the traditional sort of duster and, you know, the vest and the two six guns and just, um, yeah. Really looking the part. Standard generic, uh, you know, uh, uh, character actor number three. <laughs> so, uh, I actually forgot to mention, and you, you brought it up, so now I feel like I should explain. Uh, Matchstick is an old man. He's got a bit of the Santa going on. Like, he's kind of a big build. He's got a big, not like fat, but certainly like a large midsection and a big white beard. He's a thick man, yeah. Nice. So he's probably like double your age. And you said overalls, right? No, he said overalls. Oh, he said overalls. I'm wearing bear skins and... That's right. Like... Desert traveling so kind of like, no, okay, I was going to say you're kind of like a mountain man. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a mountain man. Yeah. Mountain, mountain desert, mountain desert yeah. man. He looks like he'd be more comfortable Same in the Rockies. Man. You are you are in the mountains, for what it's worth. You are in the desert leading up to the Superstition Mountains. And uh, unlike our other campaign, uh, unlike Temperance, who wears a dress, Arizona is wearing trousers and a shirt and suspenders. And the She's wearing two white. dresses. Two dresses. <laughs> yeah. One of each arm. Super wizard sleeves. <laughs> Do we know about her penchant for murder? Well, Huck doesn't. Yeah. Uh, my character spent the last several days kind of like. I mean, well, I mean he's not working. He's like <clears throat> kind of staring at you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not you. I met her. I, 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 I got that. I was just wondering if you had indicated it sometime. Like, Rose, profession, killing. Homemaking and embroidery. Homemaking. Needle point my gun at your face. <laughs> Very nice. By the way, you might have an intelligence of six, but I have an intelligence of eight. So if we could understand yes. each other at all, we'd probably be great friends. Thumb mm. party. Great. <laughs> all right. So you are left in the uh, the tent with the captain, the good captain, who uh, is uh, willing to talk to you, but preparing to make his, his exit if anybody has anything they want to wish to discuss with him. See. So you're saying that, that this gold is ingots? I don't remember that in the description earlier. Mr. Waltz describes it as great bricks, formed bricks of gold. Not a vein, like one would see in a, a proper mine that you use pickaxes for. He said you could pick it up off the ground and carry it in your pocket if you wish. Is this a robbery? I don't remember signing up for a robbery. No, this by no one. It belongs to the man who finds it. Mr. Waltz did not have the means to carry it with him when he was last there. Gold doesn't form bricks on its own. Some of it must have forged it somewhere down the line. Well, if we find its owner, we give it back to them, eh? <laughs> and he laughs a big belly laugh. <laughs> Historically, most money goes to the man who finds it. I like this one. <laughs> Switch spits off to the side. He's just looking at him. He, he, the captain is aware that you are saying things, but cannot for the life of him determine what you are saying. <laughs> that, is, that is partly because I, for the life of me, cannot <laughs> determine what you're <laughs> So seeing as how we're... Uh, you know, we're kind of laid up here because of the weather. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about where we're heading? Is it caves? Is it ravines? Is it a and he uh, fort? What is it? He's he's got a sort of a uh, oh, uh, it's wet from being out in the rain. He's been going tent to tent, but it's a waistcoat. And it's buttoned over his chest. And he unbuttons it. And you can see that underneath the waistcoat, he's got like a, a big wide open shirt. It's, you know, he's, he's Persian, big. Tufts of chest hair. Let me know those chest tattoos. One of you looking at that right now. <laughs> no. I, no, never fear, my friend. Uh, he, he pulls out a roll, rolled up map of his own sort of hand, and he says, shows you this is the canyon in which we are camped currently and, and vexes us because we cannot get out. The town of Peralta is no more than a few hours travel northwest. The, the problem is getting the horses and the wagons out of these canyons, these blasted canyons. The walls have become slick with this rain. We do not count on rain in the desert. Who does? But the town of Peralta is a, a mining town. You, you, 
go, you buy the pickaxe, you go to the mountains, you, you make your fortune. But that's that's fool's work. And he sort of looks at you too. It's, it's fool's work to work that hard for gold when you can just pick it up. We just pick it up and we leave. Sounds easy. Captain, I do like the way you think. I thank you. Our thank world, you, Mr. Ross. I'm world bringer for the road. Of course. At this point, uh, Jack will just inexplicably get up from the fire and go out and like start fixing wagons and like dealing with the pack animals. And stuff. Okay, um, you are immediately drenched yep. as as you're out there. Um, one of the uh, the big problems you're having is that uh, the horses are tethered to an iron stake in the ground, and the ground's becoming loose and wet, and they're they're just pounding the stake in deeper and deeper and deeper, and the, you know the horses' ropes are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Now the horses are all getting pissed off because they're all close to each other. So they're looking for alternate uh, methods, but you see that, and you see um, there's one one guy who is uh, on guard duty. Uh, you've met this man in your travels. His name is Victoria Gaskell, and he's wearing a, a his, his cowboy hat turned against the rain. He's got his his collar turned up against the weather. He's got a rifle, and he's he's taking his guard duty pretty seriously. He seems to be patrolling the the grouping of tents. You're three tents and two wagons in, in your little your little wagon train. Um, and the other two tents are alike with people discussing on the inside. It's been mostly a mix of humans and goblins. Um, and the, uh, there seems to be a candle burning in the cook's wagon, which is the one that the captain rides on when he's riding. And so what, what exactly is it that you are doing? Uh, I'm going to tend to the horses that are all getting pissed off. I'm going to direct the idiots to like start a new hole in some spot that isn't already dug out by the iron spike. And I'm going to try and keep the horses from freaking out while they move the pole. Okay. Um, you can throw me an animal handling check to see how successful you are. Uh, oh, not very good. Not very good. So the horses don't want to follow you, and you end up just sort of brooding it around. And yeah. you you can't hear, so you can't really determine what the conversation is about. But you can tell by the way that these two guys that are working on putting new iron stakes in the ground, they're kind of leaning in and whispering to each other. Um, without looking directly at them, obviously you can't really determine what it is they're saying. Uh, can I discreetly find a way to look directly at them? Uh, Even if it's yeah. like 20 feet away or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're partly whispering to each other uh, because to, in this weather, the rain on the hard-packed earth and the thunder, it's hard to hear each other. They're partly whispering because they don't want Victoria to hear us walk around. And you soon realize that it's because they're talking about him behind his back. Um, and one of them is saying that Victoria starts seeing things. They think he's hallucinating. And that maybe it's not the best idea to put him on guard duty, even though he seems to be the most dedicated. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to keep observing them if they have any further in-depth analysis of this conversation. I'm going to try and like make it look like I'm doing other things. I might even actually be helping. But uh, I'm going to try and discreetly keep an eye on their mouths from like 20 feet away. And if it um, looks like there's work being done, I'll join in and just start and just start helping with whatever's happening, with whatever's going on. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you probably, probably are. Showers, probably one of the first showers Hux had, had ever. <laughs> you <laughs> probably are alerted to the, the work being done by the sound of like hammer on metal as they're pounding these iron stakes into the ground. So you would know about it. The rest of you are staying in your in your tent. I'll go out and try to help out with the horses. Okay. Um, the captain excuses himself, and he's, like I said, he's going tent to tent to check on the men at this point. Um, and uh, you hear through perception, I would 
Oh, yeah, passive perception of 19, and I read less. And are you going to attempt to... Um, I'm not going to be helping them. I'm going to be sort of standing at the entrance to the tent, just watching. Okay. Surveying the area, watching. All right. Um, then, I, for those of you who are paying attention to this conversation, Hucker, do you have any interest in it at all, or are you just here for the work? Just work. Okay. Then uh, I will take reception rolls from the two of you. Oh, the three of you, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, non-natural 20. Ah. My actual roll sucks. Can I use my passive? Um, no, you're actively trying to overhear. Your roll is your roll. To overlook. Yeah. Um. Thunder's too loud. Yeah, yeah. But thunder doesn't matter. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm going to stick to your roll, because if, if we could just baseline it your passive, we'd do it all the time. Your okay. roll is your roll. 16. 16. All right. So you don't hear anything of, no, you hear them talking about how uh, Victoria has said that sometimes if you are watching the trail and you not looking off to the side, he sees a, a big black dog, and he thinks it's following us. It's this, this big dog. I thought it was a wolf, but he says, no, it's definitely a dog. No, that's why he wanted to take the, the watch. He's afraid that this dog is going to come get us in the night. Been in the desert too long. Uh, I'm going to go over and see if I can't track down uh, Victoria. Okay, it's not hard to find. He's drawing the camera with a, with a rifle. See anything out there? Nothing yet. This damnable rain is so thick. I cannot see through it. You expect to see something out there? When you are on watch, you always expect to see something. That's how you stay sharp. You seem, uh. Thank you. You seem a little tense. We were supposed to be out of these canyons today. I do not like them. Put me at ill ease. Something about them is very wrong to me. Just landscape. Can't hurt you. Well, it can hurt you, but no more than <laughs> any other kind of landscape can. It's not the landscape, it is the unwanted company. And he sort of casts a glance at uh, one of the tents that you haven't been in yet, and you see the, the face of a man that you recognize as uh, Jacob Waltz. He's on like a little three-legged stool, and, and he's just sort of sitting there. And he's he's not watching Victoria, but he's watching Victoria. Like there's ten, there's a tension in the air, and he's he's, he's just watching the storm. Yeah, well, most companies unwanted company for me, so I understand. So I have a pretty uh, banging uh, an insight skill and I, I would have been eyeing pretty much everybody in this party the entire trip. Sure. That's sort of what I do. Alright, so what exactly are you hoping to find out? Um, I'm really trying to find out who are the sleazeballs versus who are just the people trying to make a buck. Okay. It's like, that's kind of what I'm doing. Okay, go for it. So, I, you know, I don't know if it's a separate roll for each or any other. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, one generic roll like, for everybody. I was just trying to make a buck out. <laughs> It's going to be a 16. 15, 15. 15 is pretty good. Um, it does not take a banging insight roll to realize that um, the crew doesn't trust Jacob Waltz, but the captain does, and the crew trusts the captain. There is no love lost between Waltz and the rest of the crew. And even the captain keeps him at arm's length. He's sort of a necessary evil to get rich quick. Um, the crew is pretty much as they come. They're they're freelance 
uh, mercantile sailors who traded in their sailing clothes for mining clothes when the promise of easy gold came their way. The captain said he had a, a deal that he couldn't turn away, and these guys followed him as they always do. Um, Waltz is a distant, aloof, um, you don't get the creeps from him, but he's kind of a more of a quiet, almost an intellectual, and it's his being so far out of place that you would uh, you would attribute this divide between him and, and the crew. Is he human? He's human. He's a human male, um, and he's he's wearing a fedora style hat, but it's not a cowboy hat. He's wearing boots, but they're dress boots and not work boots or cowboy boots. You know, he's just like one shade off of what you would expect to find out here. But then again, so is Persian mercantile ship crew. Everything's a little bit out of place right now, uh, which some of you, and, and almost definitely you with your insight, would realize that's kind of what your role is here. Besides being the brute labor, you're Americans in, in, in America, and that's something that they did not have. And it, basically, they, they want local faces and local accents to, you know, Jesus, oh, yeah. Take them all to Applebee's. <laughs> We've got to have somebody who speaks the language. <laughs> <laughs> we also need somebody who can pick up the horses in case they fall down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone to eat the horses in case they fall down. Someone to eat the other horses in case they fall down. <laughs> or to marry the horse. Just keep looking happily ever after. Um, so that's your sense of, of everybody around you. Okay. I mean, you're you're on a you're on a somewhat legitimate trip in the mountains to find gold uh, it's the caliber of person you would expect to be taken yeah I'm just I'm just really looking for like you know who is most likely to like stab you on the back kind of thing more than you know we're all kind of slime balls in our own unique way um, I mean yeah they're, they're all kind of I don't, I don't want to say pirates but they're mercantile sailors they'll, they'll take right. rich, riches where they can find it mercantiles mercantiles alright yeah I, I'll just be working till I till I can't work no more and I Right. Trying to make Huck is a tough situation, so he'll just try to make it easier for you know the softer, weaker folk. All right. Anybody else have anything they want to do in camp before we call tonight? We're gonna, you know, they set and watch. Victoria has has volunteered to take watch throughout the night. Ugh, by herself. By herself. I don't think that's wise. Maybe somebody should stay up with you. Are you off? Maybe we should have two. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay up for a spell. I uh, sort of catch you and say, wake me up. Wake me up. Before you go, go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Reckon I'll take one, dude. All right. Um, then I would like, the two of you are going to split up the night's watch with Victoria? The three of you? All right. Then I want to roll off just to determine the order of watch. Straight D20 rolls. Bang! 14. Two. I get whatever shift I, I want. Shit, I First watch. What did you get? I got a 14. What did you get? 20. Second watch, third watch. Uh, From low to high. Um, uh, Alright. So before you roll anything, I did. I'm, I'm actually going to ask the guy, you know, excuse me, Mr. Waltz, you're, you're a little out of place here, if you don't mind my saying. Uh, what are you doing out here in a place like this? You, you probably belong more in one of those fancy libraries back east or something. Hey, I am, 
how you say in your language, a geologist. Oh. Uh, I study the rocks. rocks. Uh, rocks and sediments and layers. Yeah, I get you. I've I've been to uh, uh, for the Arizona before. That's where I find uh, the gold, the, the brick, the brick of gold, uh, and it was not uh, easy for me to carry away mm. with two hands. Uh, and yeah, I, I, go and, I go and get many more hands for carrying. It's pretty heavy. And you may insight this man if you Yeah, I'd love to uh, give a hard insight. Okay. Se- uh, 16. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a language barrier, mm-hmm. but he's oversimplifying it. And it's tough for you to determine if he's oversimplifying it because he is an academic talking to a Zayiba. Or um, <laughs> if he's trying to obfuscate some facts. So, so I've been sort of thinking about this a little bit, and it kind of doesn't make much sense that these things would be just lying around in bricks. Somebody had to make them and pour them. And... He's strange. He's an anomaly I wish to study. That's why I bring so many. Uh, I've seen uh, the gem, just the crystal. It break in such a way that flat sides and corners, not with metal. It's interesting in metal. I wish to discover what did this. Interesting. Are we near? How far? How far? How much farther we got to go? You know. From here to Peralta, from Peralta to the mine, uh, a day and a half. Not not far. Not far. Okay. Real good. Why you? Uh, why you want to? Be on watch all by yourself tonight. Why do you want to stay up? That's Victoria. 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 Oh, I got the wrong guy. Yeah, you're talking to Jacob Waltz, who's the the weird academic guy. Victoria is just a he's a sailor, Eastern European type. His name's Victoria. He's got an asking Victoria. What's that? Waltz had his eyes on Victoria. Yes. Okay. There's that weird, almost sexual tension between the two. (laughs) There's a weird. Weird sort of dynamic going on between the two of them, but you're unsure what the nature of it is outside of just they don't like each other. Well, if it's all the same to you, I hope we uh, hope this rain ends and we make it there quick and get out of there quick. Yes, it's not good to be in the desert for too long. It's no. dangerous out here. And that reminds me just a, a bit of local flavor for all of you who are, especially uh, Arizona Rose, would know this better than anybody. Um, the Apache are native to this area and are very prone to violent reactions and to trespassing into their sacred lands. So being out in the desert is not altogether safe. Um, this is this is one of the places where tensions between white settlers and natives are very rough. Um, so part of probably your job is navigating around the tribes. So that is the language that I speak. Good. Excellent. Um, so the other thing I'd like to do, seeing as how it's been raining, um, I'd like to throw a survival roll to see if we are in a flash flood kind of zone or we have any of that kind of crap going on. Um, any special threats from like that, because that's that's like really dangerous. Do me a favor, roll it, keep the results secret, and keep it in mind. Okay. I don't even think I saw it. That's awesome. too secret. You need to know what it is. <laughs> Can I look at it when the time comes? Yes, you may. You may. Just hang on to it for now. Um, so are you have are you done with your conversation? I, with I'm Mr. Waltz. Yeah, right. well, don't wanna. 
right. yammer on all night. Anybody else want to have any conversations for the other night? No, 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 no. Okay. Who was my first watch, dude? You. Um, nothing happens during your watch. Um, who was my second watch, dude? Yeah, Huck will come to relate you. All right. You're so you go to bed. Shortly after you go to bed, Huck, you're standing watch with Victoria, and Victoria never stops moving. Throughout the night, he's, he'll sit and rest his feet for a spell, but never sits down long enough to sleep. He'll always make sure he gets up and walks around. And um, how do you take your watch? Do you walk or do you do you sit in one place or? Um, how would Huck stand watch? Um, uh, Huck just uh, patrols. Okay. Uh, he'll probably do do a similar thing, like leaning lean against um, like the canyon wall, scratch his ass against the canyon wall. Um, you know, just. Or twerking. Pick some stuff up. Pick some stuff up. <laughs> his beard, his, t- his teeth. Uh, he'll be chew- chewing on some wheat. Some wheat. Some wheat. Oh, wheat. Yeah. <laughs> like a grain. Um, uh, other- otherwise, um, he'll keep. He will keep. He's a little. He'll at least go up to. Uh, during one of one of his little breaks, he'll uh, give him like an encouraging pat on the back, and. Uh, <clears throat> And just say, <laughs> yes, that's, uh, thank you for the encouragement. And then I would like a perception roll from you. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that voice. I don't understand it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think you recorded an album with Tom Waits. <laughs> uh, you said perception? Yes. That for me, I think would be eight hundred. That's right. I have insight, not perception. So that would be only an eleven for me. Okay. So perhaps you were looking in a different direction. Perhaps uh, Victoria sees something else, but you are startled by the sound of a gunshot going off. And as you turn, Victoria has leveled his rifle into the darkness, the rainy darkness, and has unleashed a round past the final tent in the column to, to some unknown point, some unknown target. And he screams, I've seen it! I've seen the black dog! It stood like a man and it was speaking in tongues! And he's, he's uh, like, in hysterics, pointing into the darkness. And people right. start getting up and, and trying to figure out what the hell's going off because yeah. they've they right. heard a gunshot in the night. Well, the, uh, uh, so great club. It's just kind of this big piece of wood with a lot of sharp junk hammered into it. <laughs> awesome. Or, or sharp and, like, bladed or metal stuff. And I, I have I have some flavor text to Ooh. set up our. Uh, you awaken to the sound of a gunshot. The sentry, Victoria Gaskell, raises the alarm. I've seen that black dog, and he was standing like a man and speaking in tongues. All at once, the ground begins to shake, and a deafeningly loud roar of rushing water begins to drown out even the sound of the thunder and rain on hard-packed earth. Wiping the sleep from your eyes and rushing into the rain, you attempt to try and figure out what is happening. Paul, what is your role? And what, and what did you uh, what did you roll? So my advantage would have been fifteen. Okay, and what skill was it? Uh, survival. Survival. Okay. Um, I would like everybody to make a skill check using either survival, perception, or nature. Survival. Did you mean just those three, or me, or me also? You're all set because okay. you made your roll. I got a seventeen. Seventeen. Fourteen. 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 Is D twenty sucks. Eight. Eight. All right, uh, everybody succeeds except for 
uh, poor Chucklefuck over here. <laughs> Mastic Jack Conway. <laughs> Except for poor Jack Conway, who's deaf. Poor um, yeah. Water from the overfilled Caldera Crater rushes through your camp, flooding it and sweeping away wagons, tents, and the unprepared. Tethered horses frantically work themselves loose and bolt, or are held in place as the water quickly rises over the heads in the narrow cavern. Uh, your first check was to determine that you are immediately about to be hit by a flash flood and your ability to prepare for such a thing. Great. Um, the three of you uh, were sort of Johnny on the spot, figured it out. You are still sort of half asleep. Waking up a guy who's deaf is actually pretty hard. <laughs> Second round of the skill challenge. Either athletics or acrobatics to escape the water. I have athletics. Me too. If, uh, uh, I, I should add, if you succeeded on the first check, you make this roll with advantage. That's great. If you did not, you roll like a, a normal plea boy. Roll like a bitch. Is there, is there, can I cast guidance for myself as well? Uh, yeah, you're a cleric. I'll allow you to do that. Sweet. All right, so that would be a 17. 17. Okay. I rolled an 8. An 8. 16. 16. 11. 11. All right, um, the DC was 15. Who failed by 5 or more? All right. Roll 1d12. You die that many times. <laughs> you like to roll that many new characters and then tear them up. I roll 10. I die 10 times. You roll 10? That's how many bullets you have left for your weapon. Oh. The rest are, uh, wa- are waterlogged and cannot be fired. Correct. The caliber mixes up to the player if you have multiple calibers. Uh, you also are unable to salvage any armor. Your armor gets swept downstream. Oh, balls. Holy shit. And wait, it gets worse. By five or more, you lose your supplies. You are unable to benefit from a short or long rest until you buy new supplies. Oh. Anybody else fail by five or more? Negative. All right. Who failed by three to four? All right. Roll 1d12. Well, that was the one who thought there'd be a flash flood. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, swimming is also an important part of it. Four. Um... That's how many bullets you have left. Do you shoot bullets? I don't shoot bullets. Do you have... Actually, I have a shotgun, so yeah, I have four. Okay, four rounds left. Cool. And three to four, no armor. Uh, I didn't wear armor anyway, so fuck them. All right. And everybody else passed, right? Woo! Okay, 17. So, uh, you have a moment to sort of gather your wits as you... Those of you who have the wherewithal to know what a flash flood sounds like as it approaches, gather your stuff and prepare to be, you know, brace to be hit by the water. And even though you have prepared... I've never that, been in one. That's yeah, yeah, I've that, heard that, of them, and i heard they're bad, but I have no idea what they were. rush wearing. of water sort of knocks the, the belongings out of your hands, and, and now you're just flailing arms and legs trying to stay afloat. Um, the water carries you an unknown, undeterminate uh, amount of feet down the canyon as it, it rushes down. You sort of lose your bearings and eventually are able to get to the edge of the canyon wall and sort of all help each other to clamber out. Once the water raises high enough... It's, it's a simple task to get up and out of the canyon. Um, and you find yourselves in the early pre-dawn hours of the night, sort of gasping for breath, puking up water from the, the, your little river ride, and uh, collecting yourselves. And it's just the four of you, Captain Bayezid made it to your side, and uh, Poppinsy Corkin <laughs> has made it. He's, uh, he's got a shotgun and a ladle. <laughs> and the captain has salvaged his scimitar and a bolt action rifle with one round. <laughs> Harsh. Um, Yay, guns! <laughs> on the far side of the canyon, uh, you can see uh, uh, some scrambling forms. It looks like some of your other uh, crewmates or, or traveling members have been able to get out, but they are across the canyon, and, and the water rushing the way it is, swimming across is just not an option. And we're talking like over a hundred feet away. Yeah, like you can barely make out their silhouettes in the stuff. Okay. Here's the question though. 
Are they on the side with all the horses, or are they on the wrong side of the river? Well, here's the problem with that. <laughs> there is no horses. <laughs> there never were any horses. <laughs> I recognize your mummy joke, and you should be ashamed. Well, um, I was proud. I was glad somebody did it. <laughs> I did not have to. Um, I will queue up Brendan Fraser after this is over. We can listen to him say it because only he can deliver that line with the proper authority. I think Benny actually did a better job in that scene. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> um, I rolled to attack Brendan Fraser. He's dead. No, you fail. It's a nineteen. <laughs> it's Brendan Fraser. You have to run. <laughs> it's young Brendan Fraser. No, that's a big difference. That's because the current one is sad. He's got like negative one hit dice. Yeah, pretty much. It's Dudley Do Right, Brendan Fraser. Oh, I'm actually going to shut this curtain. Light, light is gross. Yeah. We're here to play Dungeons and Dragons, not you know, bask in the sun. It's a beautiful day out. That's why we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, good God. Oh, oh God. God. Keep that shit off of my face. We're all about vitamin D and D, not vitamin D. Oh, well oh. played, my friend. And at the uh, conclusion of the flash flood, the, the storm starts to abate. I make a raft of all the dead horses. <laughs> I eat your raft. Nay. Um, <laughs> That's a horseable idea. Whoa. The music says we're not done. Oh my god, it's the end of the universe. <laughs> well, lads, we'll have to hoof it. Alright, um, so you find yourself now lost in the high desert. You have some bearings of which direction you are heading because the mountainous caldera that overflowed is still dominating the horizon in front of you. So you can somewhat orient yourself. And the captain knows basically how to get to Peralta, but at this point it's an unknown amount of days walk without riding through the desert. So does Jacob Wallstude's on the wrong side of the river too? He does not appear to have made it out oh, okay. with you. What about the Vittarian, Vittorio? Victoria? You don't see Vittoria either. Okay. It's possible he's part of the group that made it to the other side of the river, but he's not with you. All you have is the captain and his personal cook. I'll go make sure everybody's alright. And even ask. That was unexpected. And I lost everything. I lost everything I was carrying. I had all his supplies and all this stuff and tools, and it's all gone. I uh, I share my rations with you. I ain't hungry, but thanks. You can wear them like armor. <laughs> it will give you no benefit. <laughs> you just stitch a hard tack. your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You're not basing them, they're whining about it. <laughs> Probably get moving. <laughs> sure. The captain says, uh, it is going to be a hard march after that ordeal, but I wish to travel as many miles as I can before the sun comes out. Agreed. How is the temperature like right now? Right now, it's not, it's actually, you're actually chilly. Uh, it's nighttime in the desert and you're soaked to the bone. So I'm looking at the two of you, I'm not really worried about him, the two of you to see if you have dressed appropriately for the occasion. Well, most of my stuff's gone. Uh, I've got like a long coat. Okay, like so that. you but are I'm dressed for cold. I mean, I do have my long coat on, but yeah, like, I had a lot of armor that's gone. But that much, even with advantage? I rolled a six and a four. My armor has some padding that is moss-stitched. It's warm. Gross. I'm also making sure that nobody was in danger of freezing to death. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I mean, I've got the coat, but it's soaked through, and I'm dressed more for run around during the daytime. I offer you a bear fur. It's like comically too big for you, but it is very warm. 
and you have no idea from which part of his body you just peeled it off. <laughs> it's literally the entire bear, and I wear it like a diaper. <laughs> wow. Put it on, and I look at you and go, Bear pens. I like you. I'll kill you last. <laughs> Man, I've tried. And, uh, I'll go, I'll go, oh, I brought my Puck made his own pickaxe for this cave. Nice. It doesn't look like it will work. Just for this <laughs> specific occasion? It's a special pickaxe. He, he, he heard that he was supposed to go get go get golden shiny rocks and you have to get them out of the earth. So you have to yeah. slam them out of there. You can't smash your way out of everything with just blunt objects. Sometimes you need a sharp object. So, you begin traveling through the desert and uh, like I said, the captain has a general sense of where you're going. Although, if those of you who are skilled in overland navigation um, might wish to throw him some advice on their course. And I do. Okay. <laughs> um, and you are trained, you know, I, I, I would think uh, probably survival yeah. nature. Even history would probably be appropriate here. Survival is my jam. I've also got survival. All right. Everybody throw me a roll too. and let's see how the party goes. I got a 19. All right. One. Oh, yeah. 24. Two. 17. Okay. Um... And what'd you get for Hoss? I'm flustered and grumpy. I rolled a six. <laughs> well, the party passed. What about time. your character, though? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I play a type. <laughs> um, so you travel through the desert, and you are traveling for through the morning into lunch. And I, I just, for flavor, no rules required, I want to go around the table once and just have somebody describe... You know, your trek through the desert, something that you see or, or something that your character does or, you know, something that you're watching for. Just, just add some flavor to this trek through the desert. Sure. Start wherever you like. What are, what are some common prey animals that would probably buffalo might be? Uh, this is a little too far south or south for buffalo. Rattlesnake? Rattlesnakes. Jackals. Jackals. Jackrabbits? So, something big. Um... D&D monster are big, probably. Uh, <laughs> pronghorn antelope was probably in this area. Oh, good call, yeah. yeah, yeah all right. So there's a couple of dead antelope that look like they were killed uh, hours ago, and so the meat's probably not good, right? But uh, Huck uses it, stops everybody, and uh, looks at you, and roar, 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 roar. And uh, he will use the ritual to purify food and water to, oh. to, make, to make it edible again. Excellent. All right. Um, so that will keep us uh, fed and full of protein. Yeah, um, that's a good use of your skills. I'll give you inspiration for that. Thanks, bud. You got it, dude. <laughs> Who's next? Tastes like Slim Jims. <laughs> uh, there are some larger Solero cactuses out here. Very exciting. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I am an axe man, so I axe down a Solero cactus and start extracting uh, moisture from it. Okay. So we have something to drink while we're in the desert. Uh, it happens to be bloom season. And after all the rain from last night, the blooms are large and they're pink, right? Somewhere cactus blooms? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so they're just humongous blossoms, and I'm just cutting off the blossoms and like eating them while I work. Who's next? Well, I rolled a shit roll, so I think I was just walking around being grumpy and miserable until he gave me Oh, no, the, this isn't rolls. It's just adding flavor to the. Oh, yeah. well, it still works anyway. Okay. Grumpy and miserable. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what in the hell am I doing out here? And then. Grumpy McSnaggletooth over here gave me yeah, a, any sign, yeah. any signs of rot or like insect infestation just are gone, and it looks I, good I, as new. I was very like, sort of you know pensive and picking a little piece, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's quite good. 
for a guy who's lucky to have his boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're handier to have than I thought you'd be, so thank you. He gives you a, a wink, which looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of real policy. Please don't <laughs> wink. <laughs> uh, are we in capital D desert or are we in like foothills? You're more in capital D desert at okay. this point, yeah. Alright, so I'm like uh, going through and I'm sort of testing the sand to see if there's any of the, uh, the sort of the dry version of quicksand mm-hmm. that you would sink into really fast and finding like the, the more solid parts of terrain to step on. Okay. Um, you, uh, you don't find any of that, but what you do end up doing pretty effectively is steering the party away from things like rattlesnakes, mm-hmm. scorpion dens, you know, the, the dangers of the desert that you are familiar with that the rest of the folk may not be. Um, certainly the captain's grateful for it because this is not like the sea at all. Um, <laughs> sort of the opposite there. Almost exactly. And his, his turban, while very stylish, does very little to keep the sun out of his eyes. Hmm. So he's, he's almost <laughs> unbounded altogether and is wearing it more of like a head wrap at this mm. point. It's from us. <laughs> he's come back. <laughs> no, he hmm. never left. <laughs> What's that gem in the middle of your turban? I have all sorts of hides and stuff. I'll offer one to the captain if he wants something that's a little bit easier to cover his features with. Uh, and he's pretty partial to this turban, even on Ryan. He, he politely declines. Um, he does uh, drink the Seguro water. Um, however, you can tell he's got a, a great distaste for water. He knows how important it is, but he does not want you to drink the stuff. He wants to drink coffee. Only. Right, exactly. He doesn't trust water, fish fucking it. <laughs> Inside a cactus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think fish, fish them out, cactus. actually, at first. Cactus fish. And uh, it is you who sort of are, are the leader, the de facto scout of the column, um, who first noticed the riders on the horizon, um, the higher rocks further out. Uh, you can tell it's, it's maybe a group of three to five on horseback. And they're keeping a very cautious distance from you and sort of watching your travel through the desert. And as you walk, they'll disappear beyond the horizon and then they'll show up on another high rock formation. Like each time getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And a little bit closer. Uh, when, uh, when they do appear on some sort of ledge or whatever, I'll sort of halt up the, the column and like stretch or something like that and like try to point towards them with like very subtly try to point at them. Hmm. Let's get insight rolls from the party and see who actually recognized it. <laughs> Can I use the thing? Can I use the thing? Yeah, you took the took the freaking yeah. feet. You might as well. And sixteen. All right. Fourteen. All right. So you all pick up what what Arizona Rose is putting down that you're being watched. And the, the captain sort of uh, without breaking stride to, to give away that he's discussing it. He's like, are those Apaches, I hear they're very vicious. Are they? They can be, depending on you try hard enough. <laughs> depending <laughs> on how really badly believe. you piss them off, but they have been known to attack trespassers. I load the shotgun with slugs. Very good. I see horses and think, hmm, maybe buckshot's not the way to go. <laughs> Anybody else taking any action? Just reminding myself that the great club's on my back. Do you have a name for it? I've been trying to think of one, but nothing's come to mind yet. I call her Vera. When I, uh, when I see sort of reach for Okay, how about Beverly? Beverly. 
It's good. Beverly it's a traditional Crusher. work name. That was the doctor from Star, Star Trek, Star Trek Generations. Generations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That works. <laughs> well, that works on a level you didn't even know when you made it up. Oh, yeah, it was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Splendiferous. Anyway, you were saying, Paul? Uh, I will. I will turn to uh, to my friend here and say, uh, you know, I'm not sure that the uh, big club ear is going to help when this, the arrows start coming. <laughs> maybe will, maybe won't. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. Everyone, just calm down. They're Case Apache. Sarah, Case Sarah. They're Apache. We'll get out their land soon. Hopefully, it won't come to nothing. But it does come to nothing. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and slowly as they, uh, as you cross the desert and they go from rock formation to rock formation, getting closer and closer each time, now they are riding towards you. And not very aggressively, but not super chill either. They're not super friendly. They're not like, hey, yeah. we just, you know, we got some shrimp on the Barbie. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. They're they're really far east. They're in the desert, me. so what shrimp are they going to? There's no desert shrimp. Just there is in D D. Oh, you just have to dig far enough down. Oh, okay. Well, when they when they come close, I'll just I'll just be like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have hands on hand axes, not drawn, but like hands on. And uh, you can see as they approach, um, two of the riders definitely have bows in hand with arrows knocked, although not pointed. For listeners, by the way, I meant I, I was rolling my neck, stretching, and doing that tough guy shoulder roll oh. thing. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I forgot the microphone can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> or one, can it? One day, they would, they'll be able to hear our movements. Like currently, Josh is standing. So yes, they, uh, can anyone what, know? what do they look like when they approach closer? I'm glad you asked. Um, as they and approach, hold you, that thought, Paul. Sorry, interrupted you. As they approach, you see that it is it is definitely you. Uh, at first, you believe it to be five riders. You see five horses coming towards you. It's only uh, at the very last moment that you realize that the um, the last man in the column, the last rider in the column, is not actually a man on horseback at all. It is half man, half horse. It is a centaur, as you would know it, all manimal, uh, out of out of uh, out of game. And uh, he is dressed in all the traditional trappings of a chieftain. He's got a uh, big feathered headdress. His both his ma- human male torso and his horse hind quarters are uh, are painted ritually. Um, he carries no weapon, but the other riders sort of form a uh, a wall around him with their bows drawn as they approach. Okay. Can anyone uh, speak Apache? I can. So hold up my hand. Get myself a drink while you're doing that. <laughs> and uh, call Fire out of there, Paul. Like sort of. Friendly or neutral greeting, like mm. very, both hands up off the guns. And the chieftain does not speak. Uh, one of his riders in the in the front of the column, sort of he he like he breaks formation and he's he's riding like around you, like like three hundred sixty degrees, sort of separating you from the rest of your party, looking at you, and you bring white trespassers with you. My companions and I got swept up in a flood. We're just trying to get off our land. Where do you head? Peralta. The camp of the white people. It is not far, but that is the least of your worries. What should be the most of my worries? 
And uh, at this point, the uh, the chieftain sort of raises his hand, and the, the rider just obediently follows back in the line. And he goes, and the, the, the chieftain rides out to the front of the pack. He says, You are being pursued by the black dog. Black dog. The black dog has followed you from the canyon. One of our party members who was swept up in the flood did say something about a black dog just before the flood. Can you uh, educate me on what this black dog may be? Um, make a... Uh, let's see. Are you speaking it? His, his yeah, they're speaking in Apache. All right, I honored it. No. Cool. Um, well, I'm checking that. Make either like a persuasion. Yeah, make a persuasion roll. You're a not charisma. I'm a not charisma. The black dog has marked you for death. You can spoiled by temperance. <laughs> <laughs> it would be wise for my people to leave you here in the desert. That it may be. You might just die without the black dog. Gone and lost most of our supplies, most of our party. You are not far from the camp of the white man. You will survive the trek if the black dog does not take you first. Whether you wish to bring it there is your business, not ours. Well, that is heartening. Uh, I will, if you will allow me, tell my companions about this black dog, but unfortunately I don't have much ability to communicate what it may be. The black dog is death for your kind. Take it as an ill omen and ride away. Pray it does not pursue you to your homes. I don't have much of a home and we don't have any horses to ride, so. You know, I can't understand the language, but I want to at least use an insight to get a feeling as whether this is going poorly or going well. Sure. 24. Okay. So I'm guessing I get the gist, even though I, yeah. maybe not the specifics, but at least you, knowing that they're like warning us and not like. You're an expert in reading you know. body language. Like okay. they. Um, GTFO is the best. They're basically saying, um, they're, they're telling, they're, they're being honest. They're being aggressive because they don't like you here on their land. And uh, whatever they are telling her, they are, I, I want to say, uh, embellishing. They are trying to make it as frightening sounding as possible. And they, they, they overall have this intimidating, this, this purposefully intimidating nature. They're trying to scare you away. Sort of, I sort of nudge Huck on. I don't think it's going well. I think they're just talking for now, but maybe fighting later. <laughs> 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 Uh, this yeah. is going on. I'm doing the whole like, the eyes are darting back and forth. I've got the hands on the axes. I'm like constantly keeping an eye on the guy circling around, and it's all technique. Like I'm waiting for the perfect moment when I'm exhaling to throw the axe because you're better at throwing when you're exhaling than inhaling. <laughs> and I'm certain like every breath that comes out, I'm thinking this is going to be the time when I kill him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. It's not happening, and it's kind of pissing me off. At this point. <laughs>
<laughs> fire Paul? Don't yeah. fire him. <laughs> I will... Uh, it's a flaming Paul on We need his hit points. <laughs> I take a deep breath and sort of close my eyes, and I focus really hard, and I use my primeval awareness. Okay. And what does that do? Um, for... One minute, I can tell if any creatures are, well, any creatures of the following are within one mile. Um, Aberrations, Celestials, Dragons, Elementals, Fae, Fiends, and Undead. Okay. <laughs> Stand by. Ryan had to open the monster, man. <laughs> right. Just hand her the book. They're all here. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them is right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> that diaper I handed you, it's full of dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's full of one dragon in particular. It's all matted down. Well, can you go through the list of things again? Yes. Aberrations, Celestials, Dragons, Elementals, Fey, Fiends, and Undead. And vegans. And the range? One mile. Um, up to six in the mountains. Okay. Cool. Uh, up to six in the mountains, you say? Yep. Right. That is my favorite terrain. Uh, you detect aberrations, but they are not close. Hmm. So they're sort of on the, the edge of the one they, mile. Yeah, I don't know how good you are at range finding with that, but this it's these are these are not aberrations that you're speaking with. It's further away than that. It does not reveal the creature's location or number. Okay. Farberations. <laughs> <laughs> they're trees, they're arborations. <laughs> they're edible trees, they're arbor rations. Hey! <laughs> There is no limit to how much I hate you. <laughs> it is with depth and girth. My, my, <laughs> work here is done. I walk in the sunset. Wow. Oh, That's my porn star name, by the way. Girth Brooks. Girth Brooks. <laughs> oh my god. Do do we have anything else to say to these fine gentlemen before they kick you loose to Peralta? Nope. I will wish them well and thank them for the information. And we're gonna we're gonna leave now. And we're just, we're going to leave as fast as we can so that we do not get murdered. <laughs> um, they let you, they allow you to cross their desert and leave. Um, thank God you had somebody in the party who speaks Apache. Um, so, nobody so, else wanted to say anything to them before they go off? So, so they just leave and she comes back to us? Yeah, they pretty much, they wheel around and they take their leave from you. Unless somebody flags them down and wants to speak. No. Okay. Huck just kind of um, gives, it, gives us a relaxed sort of spit. <laughs> I think he wants to know what they told you. Yeah.